Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. My name's Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Community. It's awesome to have you here with us today. Good Friday for us is a real time of reflection. It's a time of worship also where we acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. And in our hearts and in our minds, we posture ourselves in this place where we reflect what, how that impacts us. We reflect on the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us. And so we wanna continue just to build this space of reflection this morning. And so I'm going to read from the Bible this morning from a book called Luke. And if you're new to church, there's four books at the beginning of what's called the New Testament. And they're four accounts of the life of Jesus. And so this is one account written by a man named Luke. We know from historical documents that he was a doctor, a physician, and so he records uh, with a unique amount of detail when it comes to some of the events that we find in the life of Jesus. The words are going to come up on the screen for you so you can read along, but I want to encourage you that even this morning you might just want to close your eyes and listen as I read out this section of Scripture this morning. He says, then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was, able, uh, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. For what he had heard about him, he'd hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people and said to them, You bought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. 
With one voice they cried out, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was turned into, torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. 
the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. You know, I grew up being familiar with these events that we've read about today. My mum used to take me to church from a young age and I'd go to Sunday school and I'd learn things about Jesus. And at that young age, I put my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And so now here I am years and years later and I'm still very familiar with this scene we read today. And we all have our story as, as we come and as we gather today and as people join us online We have our story, we come to this place and there's people in this room and you've done the journey for far longer than me. This this passage is even more familiar to you and there's some people and you've recently come to an understanding of who Jesus is and, and maybe this passage is somewhat familiar to you and there's some people in the room today and you've heard this for the very first time, these events and probably what I would say the most important event in history as it comes together with the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate on Sunday. But my fear is that as we come to this Good Friday and as we read these events is that we read over this and we miss what's here. Most of us here have been conditioned in a sense to be desensitized to death and killing in some form. Maybe, hopefully not in your day-to-day life, but at some level, we see this in, on TV and movies and we hear these things and at some level, at some point, it stops to impact us in the way that a death should confront us. And so we read these scenes and and then we bring in our cultural context, the world that we're in today, and there's other things that are fighting against us and encouraging us to disconnect from what is really happening here as Jesus died on the cross. There are very few things in this world today that the world as a whole would say are immoral, inappropriate or unacceptable. In fact, most things that were once labelled that way are now labelled as acceptable and encouraged. The challenge is for us is that the power of the cross remains untouched if we skim over this. If we don't allow this to impact us and change us through faith, then the power of the cross, the events that we just read, is left untouched for us. There's some key players in this scene as we read through the story, the events around the cross today. We see that um, Pilate, who was the Roman governor at the time. Uh, Jesus was brought before him. He questioned him. But we see that at least three times he tried to tell the people 
that this man was innocent and that he wanted nothing to do with his death. But eventually he gave in to the cries of the mob. And then we've got some other people who are involved here. We see that it was the Jewish leaders who actually captured Jesus and they took Jesus, uh, first of all, to other Jewish leaders where they interrogated him. That's where they decided this man needs to die. Then they took him to Pilate. They were the ones who put him before Pilate and said, here is this man and he needs to die. So perhaps we could look at this and say, all right, it's the Jewish leaders that were responsible for this. Everything about Jesus had upset these people. He'd come, he'd he'd been a rabbi, a teacher. He hadn't obtained that through the normal methods. He'd taught people his message was challenging. It was almost like everything that they taught Jesus was against in some form or flipped on its head and taught the opposite. And it challenged them to their core. It challenged them so greatly that they reached the point where they thought, what are we going to do about this man? The only thing we know is to kill him. Take him out of action. This is what Peter said in Acts. Later, after Jesus' death and after he returned to heaven, he was talking to a group of people and he said this, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Pretty strong words, right? But there's more people who were involved in the death of Jesus. Those people, they all played a part. But I want you to hear this, is that the real reason that Jesus died was because of our sin. That's the reason he died. And that's the message that the world wants us to disconnect from completely. Some people hear this message and they feel so guilt-ridden by the life that they've lived that they feel too unworthy to be able to receive it anyway. Some people sitting here today will be in the situation where you think, you don't know what I've done in the past. How could God ever want me in his family? Surely Jesus would not have done this for me. On the other hand, you have people that are so liberated that they could never see their need for a saviour. And in the middle, we have this space where even Christians can come to this point where they can worship God for his goodness and for who he is, and yet they've skipped over the part where they acknowledge their own sin and their own need for repentance and salvation. And this, this question, it, obvious, it, 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 it gets tied up in this question, this argument of, of bad people need Jesus and good people go to heaven. 
But if we go down that line, then who is really bad and who is really good? There are some really bad people that have done some really good things. And there are some really good people who have done some really bad things. And so I don't even know where that argument gets us, but it doesn't get us close to the place of surrender at the foot of the cross. No one misses out on sin. And this is the very thing that took Jesus to the cross. And the Bible says that we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. And the glory of God is evidenced in the person of Jesus who came and lived the sinless life. And if we put ourselves up against the person of Jesus, then we fall very short. And this is where God steps in. I want to introduce you to uh, two men today. Their pictures are going to come up on the screen And these men, um, the first one, Maximilian Colby. Uh, The second one, Francis, I don't know how to say his surname, so today he's Francis G, all right? I'm sure there's someone in the room that could tell me how to say that. But these two men, Maximilian Colby, he was a Catholic priest, a Polish Catholic priest, And in 1941, he and four of his companions were arrested by the Gestapo and they were deported to Auschwitz in Poland. And Auschwitz was a labour and a death camp where most people would never make it out of the gates once they went in. There was some cruel language that they used in that place The prisoners were often told that the only way to get out of that place was through the chimneys of the crematorium. And it was actually very true. So Father Maximilian Colby, he received his striped convict garment and he was tattooed with the number 16670. And in that place, he set to work, he was carrying blocks of stone and he was actually helping build uh, a part of the crematorium wall. That was his job. They had some rules in this place to discourage people from escaping. And one of the rules was that if a man escaped, 10 men would die in his place. They would die through starvation in an underground cell. In July 1941, a man from Colby's bunker escaped. And the irony of this situation is that the escaped prisoner was later found drowned in one of the toilets. And no one had realised. No one had actually escaped. But without that knowledge, the men from Colby's Bunker, they were let out into the midday sun, knowing what to expect. Commandant Fritsch had a policy and he'd get everyone out. He'd assemble the prisoners from the blockyard and he would select at random 10 people to die in the escaped person's place. After a day, as the men were standing there and the fugitive hadn't been found, 
The commandant told everyone, 10 of you are going to die from the star- in the starvation bunker. And the prisoners started to tremble in terror. The way they were, it was only a few days in this bunker without food and water and their intestines would dry up and their brain would start to feel like fire in their head. So one man from each line was selected at random, including Sergeant Francis G. He'd been in prison for helping the Polish resistance. As he was selected to stand in the line of men who would die, he cried out in anguish. He screamed out, he said, I have a wife and I have children. What am I going to do? They're never going to see me again. And it was at that moment that another prisoner stepped up to the commandant. With his hat in his hand, it was prisoner 16670, Maximilian Colby. Commandant Fritsch yelled at him, what does this Polish pig want? The witnesses who were there for this event remember wondering if he was going to kill Maximilian on the spot for stepping up in this way. But he didn't. And Maximilian replied, I'm a Catholic priest from Poland. I would like to take his place. I am old. He has a wife and children. Commandant stood there in silence, thinking about this request. And after what seems like forever, he granted the request. It seems that the Nazis had more use for a younger worker than for an old one, and the exchange seemed like a good one to him. With that, Francis received the command to return to his row, and Father Maximilian took his place with the condemned men. Maximilian and the nine others were taken to the death chamber of cell 18, a dark, cold, underground cell of torture where humans were left naked, without food or water, to shrivel up and die in agony. One after the other, they died until only four were left, including Maximilian. The authorities felt that death by starvation was taking too long because they needed the cell for new victims. And so they took the four prisoners out and each one in turn was given a lethal injection in the vein of their left arm. Maximilian, with a prayer on his lips, gave his arm to his executioner and passed away at the age of 47 years old. Amazingly, Francis was set free. And it was a day that changed his world. After his release, he spent the next five decades paying homage to Father Colby, honouring the man who died on his behalf. 
He said that as long as he has breath in his lungs, he would consider it his duty to tell people about the heroic act of love by Maximilian Kolbe. Now, why am I telling you this story today? I know that it's confronting. But listen to what he said as he looked back on these events. He said, the curse of having someone die for you is that you can't waste a minute of your life. The curse of having someone die for you is that you can't waste a minute of your life. So just like Francis, someone has died for you. Someone has died for me. Jesus took our place so that we can live. And he paid this price. He paid this price for our sins so we could be forgiven and wash clean. Today, the team have been singing about the blood of Jesus, the blood that was spilt on the cross. And the truth is, when we look at who is responsible for the death of Jesus, we have blood on our hands. But the great news is that his blood was spilt for us and it covers everything. God's love for you and for me is so great that he gave up his one and only son to die in our place. A famous Christian author puts it like this. He said, as we face the cross, then we can say to ourselves both, I did it, my sin sent him there and he did it. His love took him there. You know, before we see the cross as something that has been done for us and we respond in worship to that, we need to see the cross as something that was done by us and our response to that is repentance, is to acknowledge our sin and to come before the Saviour and receive His forgiveness. And some people are gonna hear this message and you're gonna feel so condemned by this message that we are people of sin. But I want you to hear the good news. This is called Good Friday. And the good news is that God doesn't desire for us to stay in that place for one second but He sent Jesus to the cross so we can move out of that place of sin and be washed clean and know the forgiveness and grace that He has for us, that we can know the life both now and forever that He has for us. This is how Paul said it in Romans 5. He said, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe that Jesus is the answer to the problems that we see in the world today. I believe that the people all around us are waiting for an encounter with the living King, Jesus Christ. 
I believe that no one is too far gone that they can escape the love of God. I believe in the power of the cross that no one who comes to it will miss out on receiving the fullness of what God paid for. I believe that if you're here and you think you're too far gone, that that message just disappears when you step into God's grace and He says, no one is too far gone for me. I believe that as followers of Jesus, that every time we step away, that we deny the things that God's doing in our lives, we put Jesus back on the cross. And that time and time again, we need to come before Him and just acknowledge what He's done for us. I believe that if you're here today and this is a message that you're hearing for the very first time, I know confidently that the power of the cross, God's love, can change your life now and forever. And so as Jesus hung on the cross, He literally said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I want you to hear this today, is that we put Him on the cross, but He forgives us. And in faith we come, we take this posture of surrender and we come before Him and receive what He's paid for, for us. We weren't created to do life without God. We were created to live life with Him now and forever. And so on this day, Good Friday for us, is this day of reflection where we intentionally press into this message and we pray and we ask God, even if I'm familiar with this message, God, would you take it and let it impact my life afresh? that I would see just how incredible it is what You've done for me all over again, Lord. That I've been saved and set free, pulled out of my sin, that now You see me as You see Jesus washed whiter than snow, righteous and holy, set apart for You. We have this kind of funny thing that we talk about here at Hope where we, in the church, we come to Good Friday and it's like we, um, we come in this place almost of mourning and grief. And yet we know Sunday's coming, right? The day of celebration. We know how the story finishes. We know that the victory is in the cross, that there's nothing greater or more powerful than that and there never will be, that it is finished for us. But today, I just want to give every one of us this opportunity just to respond and reflect. I'm going to invite you to jump on your feet and we're going to finish up with one last song. But I want to encourage you that as we sing today, we've got this space down the front. It's set up here so that people can come forward and kneel before the cross and just spend some time in reflection today. Maybe you're here and this is the first time that you've ever heard this message. We call this message the good news of Jesus, that the Father loves you so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die 
so that you could know forgiveness and the abundant life that He has for you. And if you're here today, and especially if this message is impacting you for the first time, then I wanna invite you with others who are coming afresh today to come and spend some time before the cross as we sing today. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.